This episode of the Everyday Style School podcast is brought to you by the Everyday Style Challenge. Are you ready to bust out of your style rut this year? You need the Everyday Style Challenge. This guide gives you 31 simple tasks to help you cut the clutter in your wardrobe, rediscover the gems I know are hiding out in your closet, and use more of what you already own. Plus, you get access to the exclusive Facebook community to engage with other women who are also taking the challenge. If you've made a commitment to love the way you look this year, the Everyday Style Challenge is a great place to start. Visit youreverydaystyle.com forward slash challenge to get started. Hey there, welcome back to the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe style can be easy and getting dressed should be fun. I'm your host, Jennifer Mackey Mary, and today we're going to be talking about creating a wardrobe that's kind to the planet. First though, happy, happy new year. I hope you got to enjoy a little downtime during the holidays and that you are ready for all the great things coming your way in 2020. Today we're talking about ethical, sustainable fashion, and before you turn this show off because that's just not your jam, I want to make it very clear that this is not a judgy, scolding show. I am not here to tell you to get rid of everything you own and only wear clothes made from the hemp you grow yourself in your own backyard. That is not my style. But the impact of the fashion industry on this planet is enormous, and whether you think that Time's choice of Greta Thunberg as Person of the Year is the best thing ever or the most ridiculous thing ever, I think, at least I hope, one thing we can all agree on is that we should be good stewards of the earth and do well where we can. All of us will have different levels of commitment on this issue, and that's okay. My goal with this show is to raise awareness, share some of the common challenges we face when trying to build an eco-friendly wardrobe, and some easy ways to build a wardrobe that's kind of the planet if that is something you want to do. You know I always want things to be easy. So I hope you'll listen all the way through. You never know what little nuggets you'll take away and what ideas might change for you. I am cheating a little with our vocabulary lesson today because there are two terms I need to define for our lecture conversation later anyway, which are ethical and sustainable. So we'll be covering those. In current events, we're going to do a little wrap up of stores and brands that said goodbye last year. And Lessons from Linda shares the story of a Linda who literally couldn't get dressed for the life she wanted to live. Your homework, before we get started though, from our last full episode was actually two things. To think about the mindset issues I encouraged you to ditch, such as why you're hanging on to the things that aren't serving you anymore. And then set a timer for 20 minutes to get rid of the physical clutter. I would love to hear how it went in the Everyday Style Lounge. And if you haven't done it yet, there's always still time. Okay, let's kick things off as we always do with lessons from Linda. I have to start by saying that I've been a little hesitant to share this one because I really try to share stories that could be any number of clients and don't point so clearly to one person. I'd rather have my past clients listening and think, wait, is she talking about me? Rather than, OMG, she's talking about me. 
So unfortunately, in this one, there aren't many details to change. And Linda, if you are listening, please know that I love you and I am sharing your story because I think it's important and a lot of other women can probably relate. With that said, I'm not sharing anything here that I did not say directly to Linda. So please don't think that when I work with a woman, the next thing I do is head to the internet to talk smack about her. That is not at all what this is about. And I have had so many women say to me, I really identified with that, Linda, or I didn't even realize what my struggle was until I heard it from somebody else's perspective, which is why I share these lessons from Linda's, not just not, not just because they're fun stories, which sometimes they are, but really it's about the lessons that we can take away from them. Okay. This week's Linda reached out to me because her husband had recently gotten a promotion, which required him to attend a lot more of events outside of his regular work day. And these are events she should have been going to with him, but she wasn't because she didn't have anything to wear. It was actually putting a strain on their marriage because he felt unsupported in his new position. She felt defeated. And every time she skipped an outing, she felt the rift getting a little bigger. So first of all, hats off to her for understanding that she needed a closet intervention to fix a bigger part of life. I know I've talked in the past about how this isn't frivolous, and this is a really good example of how... If you don't have the clothes for the life you really want to live, it does become about the clothes. That's where we're at with this, Linda. She was, like a lot of my clients at that time, a stay-at-home mom to a bunch of little kids, a lot of little kids pretty close together. They were close together in age, and the oldest was just starting elementary school, I would say probably under third grade. She drove a minivan, spent quality time in preschool pickup lines, went on play dates, did crafts all day. A bunch of you at this point are like, oh my goodness, is she talking about me? No, just just wait. We'll get there. Her purse was stocked with handy wipes and juice boxes and snacks, which came in really handy during our shopping trip. And I know a lot of you are in this phase or you can clearly remember this phase. She was in full-on, full-time mommy mode. When I got to her house, it was completely quiet as she had made arrangements for her littles to be out of the house, which was so smart. That was the second really smart thing this Linda did. There was no way she could have focused a couple of hours in a row on herself and parented at the same time. So good for her for really acknowledging that this investment was important and for making arrangements for her kids. We chatted a little bit and then I set up my clothing rack in her room and told her to pull out all the bottoms from her closet, just like I do with every client. She brought out, I don't know, about 10 hangers on them, all pants, all black, all yoga pants or leggings. And this is the part where if Linda's listening, she's like, oh no, this is me. So literally all yoga pants or leggings. Now, no matter how many times I say to my clients, pull out all the bottoms in from your closet, clients always forget, or they say, oh, I didn't realize you meant skirts or jeans or, or, you know, dress pants or whatever it was. It's all the bottoms. So I say, go get all the bottoms. That's what I said to her. And she said, these are all the bottoms. And I said, did you get the jeans? And she said, I don't have any. And I said, did you get the dress pants? And she said, I don't have any. And I said, skirts? But let's be honest, by this point, I already knew the answer. There were no skirts. Her only choice to dress the bottom half of her body were black leggings or black yoga pants. That was it. Her pre-service questionnaire was filled out pretty well, and it talked a lot about not having anything to wear for events, dinners, etc. Now, I hear 
I don't have anything to wear a lot, but usually it means they don't have anything that fits well or goes together or that they like anymore or that's in style. I had honestly never seen actual legitimate nothing to wear. It was pretty easy to figure out where we needed to start on our shopping trip and we didn't even waste time with trying on the yoga pants. So we moved on to the tops. Again, we didn't even pull anything out of the closet because in her closet were probably 20 to 30 shirts, all t-shirts, long sleeve and short, all the same brand, all the same style, just different sleeve length, different colors. There were no sweaters or blouses, a couple of sweatshirts and hoodies, and two dresses that really didn't fit well anymore. It was unlike anything, frankly, I'd ever seen before. I've often said that my job is really more about what is going on in the head than what is going on in the wardrobe, and this was the perfect case of that. There was no point in trying anything on, so I packed up my rack, and I added her closet editing time to her shopping trip time because we were going to need it, and we just sat and talked for a little bit instead. Sometimes with my clients, I just have to be blunt and simply ask, how did we get here? It's not a judgmental question, but we, both the client and I, need to understand the path that got them to a closet like this. So that's where we started, and I asked that question. Tears sprang into her eyes, as they often do when I ask that question, and she told me she used to like to get dressed, but with back-to-back pregnancies, maternity clothes, postpartum clothes, a body that never seemed to settle into anything consistent, she just bought clothes to be comfortable and quote-unquote get by. She told me she didn't have to go anywhere when she had little babies, so she didn't need anything. Then she didn't have anything, so she didn't go anywhere. She couldn't go in yoga pants. I asked how she felt about that, and she told me she didn't like it, but she didn't have a choice. Then she told me her criteria for buying clothes. She told me she needed clothes her kids could wipe their hands on after snack time, so she didn't buy anything that couldn't be washed and dried easily or was a color that would show snack stains or that she didn't care if it got ruined or not. Those were the criteria for clothes buying. What she liked or felt good in didn't factor at all. So I was like, well, let's let's go back to that snack time thing. Why are your kids wiping their hands on you instead of a napkin or washing their hands after a snack? She told me it was just easier. They were really active kids and they didn't want to sit still for long. So it was just easier to let them wipe their hands on her. Listen, friends, I can be down with needing easy care clothes in this season of life. I can even be down with being okay if your clothes get ruined in this season of life. I get it. But to buy clothes with the purpose of being treated as a human napkin, this I cannot support. And we're going to come back to that idea in just a minute. Linda and I went shopping and had so much fun together. She was an absolute blast to be with, and her purse was full of juice boxes and snacks, which is great. And she was super open to new things. Before we hit the stores, we sat down at a little table outside of Nordstrom Cafe, and we made a list of the places that she went and the places that she would go if she had the clothes for them. And then we bought clothes for those things. We made sure she had a couple of grab-and-go dressy options in her closet, a few polished casual looks that were easy, could be worn for lots of different events, and then we upgraded her wardrobe for the way she really lived. We didn't just fill her closet with going out clothes. We upgraded the tired yoga pants and, and sad tees to stylish athleisure options which by the way, were not meant to be used as a napkin. And then we got a couple of pairs of jeans for times when those yoga pants just didn't cut it. 
I felt like she went home with a wardrobe that would literally take her anywhere she wanted to go. And she left excited for an event with her husband the next week instead of avoiding it. So I would call that an absolute success. There are actually so, so many lessons we can take away from this, Linda, but I'm going to stick to three. First, that baby toddler phase of life is real and it does affect your wardrobe, especially in that postpartum. Are we going to have more kids? Are we not phase? And I understand that wanting to invest in a forever wardrobe, but that phase ends and you have to recognize that when you're done having babies and you're not getting spit up on anymore, it is time to put yourself back together again. It is really, really easy for this phase to drag on for years if you're not careful. This Linda was out of that. She did not have any babies. She was not getting spit up on. She was not in that. They were done having kids. So she was out of this phase, except she was still living like she was fully in it. Second, not having clothes because you don't go anywhere and then not going anywhere because you don't have anything to wear is a vicious cycle and it happens to women at all stages. Over the course of my career, I have seen this probably hundreds of times. One of my most beloved capsule community ladies made a comment that the capsules were helping her want to leave the house more and she didn't realize how closed off she'd become because she didn't have things she felt good in. Now she had clothes she liked and she was looking for places to go. No matter what phase of life you're in, you have to look at where you do go and where you would like to go and then just have a few go-to outfits for those things. If you don't have anything you like to wear for date night, there's a good chance you're not going to prioritize date night. If you always feel frumpy when you meet friends for coffee, you won't look forward to it as much and you won't make sure that you're putting it on the calendar. One of our Everyday Style Lounge members made a comment years ago in response to a post to a woman who had found a dress she loved, but she said, I don't have any word of where it should I buy it. And uh, the woman made the comment and said, buy the dress and then find a place to wear it. You'll thank yourself. I've thought about that comment for years and I think it's really good advice. Finally, number three, mama, you are not a human napkin. You are a human and you deserve to be treated as such. Further, and you know I don't like to get preachy, I truly don't, but I think as parents, it's our job to teach our children how to treat others. I don't want my children thinking it's okay for them to wipe their hands on anyone, including me. Often, I think we feel like if we put every need our kids have above our own, we'll be better moms, but I disagree. I think there's real value in teaching our children that we're people too and modeling self-respect. As a mom of girls, I often think, if this was happening to my daughters later in life, how would I feel? I would be really sad if my girls were allowing their kids to disrespect them like that. And the last thing I want to say about this is as moms, we give up so much to our children. Wearing clothes we like is a very simple way to reclaim our personhood, which in my opinion, makes you a better mom. All right, let's move on to word or words of the week. This week's vocabulary lesson is a two-parter. Since we are talking this week about building a wardrobe that's kind to the planet, there are a couple of words we often see and need to understand. Those words are ethical and sustainable. You're going to see them together a lot, but they mean different things. Ethical refers to who made the product and how they were treated. This concept encompasses everyone in the supply chain, from the people who grow and pick the cotton to the people who assemble and package and ship the garments. 
ethical fashion is concerned with fair wages and safe, non-abusive working conditions. Often you'll see treatment of animals fall under the ethical umbrella as well. One thing to keep in mind is that ethical is a very subjective term. What may be fair wages to one brand or consumer may not be to another. So you have to decide if that ethically made product fits your ethics. Sustainable, on the other hand, refers to how the product was made, both the materials used and the effect of the production on the environment. This includes pesticides used in growing natural fibers, the chemicals used in dyes, water and waste treatment, uh, the energy used to produce clothing, the use of recycled materials, and even the type of packaging. Like I said earlier, you'll often see these terms together because companies who are committed to one are often committed to the other. But there are some people who choose to focus on creating a sustainable wardrobe, and there are some people who only want to buy things that are ethically made. So it's important to know what the differences are. Sometimes you're, if you get one, you're going to get both. Sometimes you're not, but you should know what to look for. That's going to get you ready for our discussion later. But for now, let's head to current events. If you're keeping track and you know that I alternate between current events and philosophy, you know this should be a philosophy week. However, there were two events I wanted to talk about at the end of 2019, and philosophy works better with my next episode, so there you go. That's the beauty of having your own show. You can do kind of what you want. Today, I want to talk about some brands and stores that had major closings in 2019 and what the fate of each one will be. I'm only talking about clothing stores today. I know GameStop and AC Moore and a lot of others are closing a ton of stores, but since we're a show about style, we are focused on the clothes. I will link to more complete lists of closings in the show notes that you can find at youreverydaystyle.com slash episode 24. One of the biggest closures was Payless Shoes, which closed all 2,500 of their retail outlets and discontinued their e-commerce operations as well. But did you know that a lot of Payless brands and styles are still available on Amazon? Yep, it's a little tricky to find things and you kind of have to know what you're looking for. But if you're a fan of the Dexflex flats, like a lot of my clients were, or extra wide kid shoes, they're still out there. You just have to do a little digging. Another big closure, and since we're talking about clothes, we'll cover it, was Gymboree. I know it's not women's clothes, but whatever. Gymboree closed all 800 of their Gymboree and Crazy 8 stores. But if you are a fan of matching elephants on every single piece of clothing, it looks like Gymboree is coming back. Their website is previewing two collections for spring 2020. I'm guessing it's coming back only online, but you know what? Never say never. Crazy 8 has no more internet presence, so I'm guessing they are done for good. The next one is Dress Barn. Dress Barn is currently in the process of closing all of its 650 stores, but their website says their new e-commerce site is coming soon. So for those of you who relied on Dress Barn for their dress selection or their secret agent pull-on dress pants, a lot of my clients love those, it looks like you could be back in luck soon. I would like to take this opportunity to encourage Dress Barn to go for a complete rebrand, a complete facelift. This is a great opportunity to ditch the name Barn, which frankly did not help the brand much. No woman wants to shop in a barn. This is just my free advice, Dress Barn, and do with it what you will, but seriously, do it. Okay, I've said my piece on that. 
Next up is Charming Charlie, the accessory store focused on quantity over quality. It closed all of its 261 retail locations and just like Payless, closed their e-commerce store as well. They've been gone for a while completely. However, their website shows a countdown clock to a new e-commerce site that should be up around the end of January. But if you just can't wait until then for a Charming Charlie fix, good news, you don't have to. They've got a storefront on Amazon as well, and it's actually really easy to shop. It's not super extensive, but if you've been missing this this option, you should definitely check it out. Finally, the plus-size retailer Avenue closed all of their 222 stores in 2019. Their website is still up and running, and it doesn't look like inventory is limited or that they're having beyond normal sales at this point. So while they haven't made an announcement about whether or not they'll stay up, for now it is, and it's a good option for women who liked that store before. Those five completely clocked out of brick-and-mortar locations in 2019, and some will be back online, some won't, but what's going to happen in 2020? Obviously, it's the 2nd of January. It's really early to tell, but experts say this could be the biggest year for retail closings yet as more retailers focus on their online operations and cut the cost of brick-and-mortar locations. Two brands we know will be shuttering location this year are, first of all, Gap Brands, who will be closing close to 250 Gap stores. Now, last year, you may have heard the rumor that Gap and Old Navy were going to spin off. Actually, Old Navy was going to leave Gap Brands and become its own entity. It's the most profitable of the bunch, so they were going to split off. However, Gap Brands CEO stepped down last year, and that idea is up in the air. It is likely that um, it's on hold for now, and I don't want to say probably won't happen this year, but I will keep you posted. Um, There's no reason to worry about your gift card or your credit card rewards not working at both Old Navy and other Gap brands for now. Other brand that will be closing locations is Chico's Brands, and they'll be closing up to 250 stores. And that's a combination of Chico's, White House Black Market, and Soma stores. They are, um, they're closing mostly Chico's um, and Soma, but also a few White House Black Market. We will keep an eye on the changing retail landscape this year, and I will keep you posted when there's big news. I, for one, want to see as many brick-and-mortar locations stay open, and I've heard from a lot of you as well that you don't love online shopping. So even though that's the way the world is going, we can keep our fingers crossed. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about creating a wardrobe that's kind to planet Earth. If you missed the winter capsule guide and you're wishing you could get an easy mix and match wardrobe right now without waiting till spring, you can. Head over to my website at youreverydaystyle.com and sign up for my free mini capsule wardrobe guide. It will show you how to make 30 outfits from just 10 pieces. It's a little taste of what we do each season and it'll get you ready for the spring capsule guide that's coming March 1st. And now back to the show. Today, we are talking about creating a wardrobe that's kind to the planet and the people who live on it. Like I said at the top of the show, this is not a judgy, scolding episode, but as more people become concerned with how, where, and by whom their clothes are made, I think it's a valuable conversation to have. You have to decide for yourself what your commitment to ethically and sustainably made clothing is and where your priorities on those things fall. I bring the info, you decide what to do with it. 
Also, this, like every episode, is not an exhaustive conversation. And there will be things that I don't cover, brands that I don't talk about, whatever. My goal is never to be the end-all, be-all source, especially not for this where I'm not the expert, admittedly. My goal is always to give you some actionable tips that will help you grow in your everyday style journey. In the show notes at youreverydaystyle.com forward slash episode 24, I'll have links to the resources that I talk about in this, in this episode, including where you can go for more information and brands you might want to check out. And if you think there's something I absolutely should have included, email it to podcast at youreverydaystyle.com. If I think it adds to the conversation without being judgy, I am happy to add it to the show notes. Now, if you are ready to start growing hemp in your backyard to make all your own clothing, you may be going a little bit deeper in this topic than it was meant to go, but I would love to see your hemp clothing selfies. For purposes of this conversation and just cutting down on words, I'm going to be using the word conscious as a substitute for ethical and sustainable. Again, it's just easier. I'd like to kick off this conversation by sharing a bunch of doom and gloom stats with you. I think it is the best way to start a fun, lighthearted discussion, don't you? Obviously not, but if this is a topic you've never thought about, it's important to know why this is important and the enormous impact the fashion industry has on the world. Are you ready? Here goes. Again, all links are in the show notes. First, when you Google fashion industry environment, time and time again, you're going to see the stat that the fashion industry is the number two polluter in the world, just behind the oil industry, or some articles will say just behind the coal industry. While the fashion industry does have a huge impact on the environment, this stat isn't necessarily true and can't be traced back to one source. It has been misinterpreted and repeated so often, though. Some sites will say it's all textiles, which would include home fabrics and furniture and car interiors. Some sites say it's the number two water polluter and so on and so on. Since I can't track down a clear definitive source, we're going to skip that one and focus on stats we can verify. Again, links to everything I say in the show notes. So here are five things to think about. The first one is this. Nearly three-fifths, that's about 60%, of all clothing ends up in a landfill or an incinerator within just a couple of years of being produced. Number two, it takes about 715 gallons of water to grow the cotton to produce one cotton t-shirt. That's about what the average person drinks in two and a half years. A pair of jeans uses more than 1,800 gallons of water to produce. Number three, over the last 15 years, clothing utilization, which is how often we actually wear something, decreased by almost 40%. Number four, plastic particles called microfibers that are washed off from products like synthetic clothing contribute up to 35% of the primary plastic in the ocean. Each time you do a load of laundry, Thousands of microfibers are released into wastewater treatment plants that usually can't filter them because they're so small. Number five, finally, garment workers in Bangladesh make, on average, $33 per month, which is far below the $60 per month that would constitute a living wage in that country. Their salary is based on working 12 to 16-hour days, six to seven days a week. And Ethiopia, garment workers in Ethiopia are actually the lowest paid in the world. This is not the lowest. Bangladesh is not the lowest. All right. Feel better now? Yeah, me too. 
So with stats like that, why isn't everyone all in on the ethical, sustainable, conscious clothing movement? In my experience working with women for the last 20 years, there are a few reasons. The first one is people just don't know. I'll never forget being in an H&M fitting room with a client who was trying on a blazer and the seams were sewn a little wonky. I made a joke, which was in admittedly poor taste, that 35 cents an hour just doesn't get you quality anymore. Again, I understand that was bad. No need to email. But my client's eyes got really big and she said, really? Do you think that's how these are made? Yes, Linda, you're paying $24.99 for a blazer. It probably wasn't hand-stitched in the good old US of A by a college graduate with a 401k and paid vacation. We think that the concept of sweatshops went away with the Kmart, Kathy Lee Gifford scandal. Shout out if you are old enough to remember that. And a lot of us don't think through the entire process of making a $5 blouse. But since I'm a big believer in making decisions based on reality, which is part of my goal with this show, just to say, hey, this is how cheap clothes are made. Do with that what you will. Second, conscious clothing has really been cost prohibitive. Luckily, this one is changing, albeit slowly. But for many women, conscious clothing has simply been out of the budget. I think a big challenge in this arena is that you can't spend a little more to do a little better. It's not like you can say, I don't like Old Navy's practices, so instead of their $30 sweater, I'll buy Gap's $60 sweater. They're made in the same places using roughly the same materials, which has led to a why bother feeling for some women. In the past, you'd have to spend a lot more to do a little bit better. But like I said, that is getting better. In the show notes, I've got links to affordable brands for you to check out. And keep in mind, affordable is as subjective as ethical. And there are no conscious brands that come close to the price of that you'll find in places like Target, Old Navy, Kohl's, etc. Third, I think accessibility has been a challenge for women. I had a potential client who reached out to me and she wanted to know before she booked our shopping session if we could shop for an ethical, sustainable wardrobe. This was probably five years ago or so. And I was like, honestly, no. At that time, there weren't enough in-store options to make a shopping trip worthwhile. This one is getting better with lots of stores, including H&M and Lou and Gray, offering conscious lines in-store. But if you're someone who likes to shop in person and your store options are limited, this is still a challenge. In addition, conscious clothing and special sizing like petite and plus has been absolutely non-existent. Again, slowly changing, especially with the big brands expanding their conscious offerings, but still a big challenge. Finally, eco-friendly fashion has long been associated with a particular aesthetic And it isn't one that a lot of people love. Sustainable clothing or ethical clothing usually conjures up images of oversized cotton pieces, outdoorsy looks, and tribal print fabrics. Women who wanted a little bit more refined or fitted or trendy or sophisticated look were just out of luck. Again, this one is changing with a variety of new brands coming on the market and existing brands doing better. So if this one's been holding you back, it might be time to revisit the idea of a conscious wardrobe, even looking at the stores you like to shop in and what they're doing. Obviously, there are challenges to building a conscious wardrobe, but if this is an area you'd like to approach differently or do better, what can you do? Lucky for you, I've got some easy, actionable tips that don't involve growing your own cotton or making your own clothes. Here we go. First, this is where you should always start about something. Just think about it. 
Think about how much this matters to you, what you want your commitment level to be, and where you'd place it on your list of priorities. You might decide that you want to make changes in your wardrobe habits, or you may decide that you're doing just fine as you are. That's totally up to you. I encourage you to do a little research. Investigate the brands you love to see if their values align with yours. I'll link to a couple sites that can help you with that, but keep in mind this subjectivity. Each site is going to give each brand a different rating, but use that info and decide for yourself if that brand matches your standard. For example, Everlane is on every mainstream list of ethical brands, but when you get into some of the more detailed, hardcore, committed rating websites, Everlane does not make the cut. Again, you get to choose where you stand on that and are Everlane's practices up to par with your standards. Now, once you're done thinking and researching, it's time for action. If you want to build a more conscious wardrobe, I want you to go back to that old eco-friendly slogan, reduce, reuse, recycle. And I want you to approach your wardrobe in that order, reduce, reuse, recycle. First, reduce. This means reduce the number of new items coming into your wardrobe. I know right now lots of you are thinking, wait, aren't you the lady telling us to buy new wardrobes each season? No, no, I am not. That is exactly the opposite of what we do at Everyday Style. In fact, capsule wardrobes are often listed as one of the best ways to reduce clothing waste. I say it all the time, capsules are about doing more with less. And I don't want anybody buying 34 pieces each season. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Don't do that. And actually, a huge goal of mine with my capsules, I don't know about other people's, is to teach you how to reuse the same pieces from season to season, year after year, to reduce how much and what you're buying. As a matter of fact, this last capsule, only a third of it was new items. And if you take out things that you don't need or wouldn't wear or could swap for things you already have, it would mean adding a very small number of items each season. But beyond capsuling, I want to encourage you to stop buying the same item in multiple colors or buying things you don't need just because they're a good deal or buying things you don't need because you're bored. The reality, most of us have way, way more than we need, but we don't necessarily have the right things. Focus on being intentional when you buy. Don't deprive yourself of things you need or even things you love, but stop filling your closet just because you can The only way to curb the effects of mass production is to curb the desire for mass production. The less disposable clothing we buy, the less they'll make, which brings me to number two, reuse. In this one, I mean reuse the things you have. A UK study found that increasing the active life of all clothing by nine months, just nine months, would reduce the annual carbon, water, and waste footprint of the UK clothing market by 20 to 30% each and cut resource costs by 5 billion pounds annually. Granted, not everyone is going to keep every single item they own an extra nine months or wear, actually you need to wear it, not just keep it an extra nine months. But extending the life of your clothes is a little thing you can do to have a big impact. Learn to take care of your things so that they last longer and repair instead of replace when possible. Invest a little more when and where you can on higher quality items you can keep and use longer. 
Also, look for ways to repurpose clothing. My favorite jean shorts were actually made from my favorite jeans that had seen better days. And I once had a pair of wide leg pants that I love the top of, but not the leg shape. I had them turned into straight legs. Those are two easy ways to reuse things you have. Another option to reuse clothing is to use clothes that are already out there by shopping secondhand. Sites like ThreadUp, eBay, Poshmark, and Mercari make it really easy to shop for a stylish secondhand wardrobe. My caveat on this one would be, again, don't buy things you don't need just because they're cheap. Be intentional and fill your closet with things you need first and then with a few things that make you smile and resist the temptation to overbuy. Lots of capsule subscribers have said that it's much easier to shop secondhand because they have a plan and it's not so overwhelming. But if you don't have a guide to follow, make your own wardrobe plan and then stick to it. Finally, recycle. No matter how good you are at not overbuying and taking care of your clothing, there comes a time where it must go, whether it is worn out or it doesn't fit, it's not your style, whatever. Every clothing item at some point will meet its end. The goal in this category is frankly, do less of it. Do less of the recycling. Not by keeping things that aren't serving you, but by putting fewer bad choices and impulse purchases into your wardrobe in the first place. If we all did that, we'd all be getting rid of less stuff. But let's talk about how to get rid of the things when you need to. The strategy for a lot of us is to donate our unwanted things to local charities and resale organizations, and then give ourselves a little mental pat on the back and think about all the people who would be blessed with our cast ups. However, only about 20% of the clothes donated to charitable organizations actually end up being reworn locally. The vast majority of clothing donations are either bundled and shipped overseas for resale, recycled into cleaning rags and insulation, or simply dumped in a landfill. The reality is the supply of donated clothing far, far exceeds the need. A good goal in this category is to keep your discarded clothes from going into a landfill or an incinerator. Let's do things, let's take other steps to make sure that that's not where our clothes end up. The first thing is to donate or sell things you know you won't wear while they still have life in them. Keeping something in your closet for 10 years because you might wear it someday, again, my favorite word, by doing that, it reduces the chances that someone else will want it and wear it. If you made a bad purchase last month and you know it's a bad purchase, you know you won't wear it, you know you can't return it, donate it now. It's still current and it has a much better chance of being resold quickly. If your clothes are current within the last five to seven years, I would say, donate them. And I found out about this really cool thing. If you've got gently worn items you don't know what to do with, check out the give back box. The give back box encourages you to fill the box your online purchases came from with clothes you want to get rid of and use the prepaid label to send them back. They have a lot of retail partners and a lot of them are are stores that we use a lot, like Loft, Lewin Gray, Banana Republic Factory, Nordstrom, Nordstrom Rack, and even Amazon. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of Amazon boxes cluttering up my garage until we take them to the recycling center, but I could be filling them with gently worn items and sending them back for free. So go visit givebackbox.com for a full list of partners and program details. Again, I had no idea this existed until I started researching for this show, but now I'm super excited to use it. 
If you have really old or damaged clothes and you don't know what to do with, take them to a place that is committed to recycling clothing. I've got a link on the in the show notes to help you find textile recycling in your area, but there are a bunch of stores that are making the process easier. H&M, Levi's, and American Eagle all have programs in place to reward you for bringing in your own clothing. You bring any brand, any condition into their stores, and they will give you or text you a coupon for um, a discount on, on your next purchase. If you have damaged clothes, it's really good practice not to donate them to Goodwill or another local charity without first calling to see if they recycle clothing. If they do, put your damaged items into a bag labeled for recycling only and include them. If they don't recycle clothing, first of all, it puts a big strain on these organizations to have to sort through everything. And then your clothes are probably going to end up going right to um, a landfill. Again, what we don't want ultimately is clothes to end up being just dumped in a landfill or burned in an, into an incinerator. We want to make sure that those textiles are being recycled. Recycled clothing ends up as cleaning rags and insulation and stuffing for furniture. So there is a lot of life that can be given to these old clothes. There was one article I found that said about 95% of the textiles we get rid of can be recycled, but only about 15% of the textiles we recycle act or donate actually are recycled. So there's a huge area that we can do better at. Just make sure that the place you're donating your clothes is committed to recycling and they will end up in the proper channels. Obviously, there are organizations like Dress for Success, Suited for Change, and I Support the Girls that take item-specific donations, such as suits or bras or whatever it is. Sometimes um, I know Suited for Change was looking for accessories at one point. It is best to contact the local outlet in your area and see what they need. Remember, unwanted items to a place that doesn't need them isn't helpful. It just puts more work on them. So if you want to donate to an actual organization, please contact them first and see what they need. Okay, before we close, let's recap what you can do to create a wardrobe that is kind to the planet. First, think about how much this matters to you and where your level of commitment is. Research the brands you buy to see if their commitment level matches yours. Then reduce the number of new items coming into your wardrobe. Learn to buy items that can be worn in lots of different ways and resist impulse purchases and buying things in multiple colors. Then reuse what you have by taking care of your things and extending the life of your clothes and repurposing if possible. Invest in quality items when you can. Reuse what's already on the planet by shopping secondhand. Again, avoiding impulse purchases and shopping with that plan. Finally, be a smart recycler by donating unwanted items while they still have life and style left in them. Check out givebackbox.com for a way to use those Amazon boxes that are everywhere in your house. I know it's not just me. And look into clothing recycling programs to keep your donated items from ending up in a landfill. But keep in mind the easiest way not to throw away a ton of stuff is by not buying it in the first place. Reducing should be at the top of mind if you want to build a more conscious wardrobe and be kind to the planet. I hope today's conversation has given you a couple of things to think about when it comes to building an ethical, sustainable wardrobe and a couple of ideas for building a wardrobe that's kind to the planet. By buying a little less, it could add up to a huge impact on our world. 
Your homework for this week is to decide where you want to be on this issue this year. Are you fine the way you are? Do you want to do a little better? Or do you want to radically change your approach to how you build your wardrobe? If you decide there are changes you want to make, I want you to research the brands you wear most often and see if their values match yours. Finally, I'd love everyone to look up a clothing recycling option where they live and commit to keeping clothes out of landfills. That's it, everybody. I will see you Monday with office hours. And in our next full episode, we'll be discussing the connection between your weight and your wardrobe. Should be a fun one. Bye for now. Class is dismissed for today, but the conversation doesn't have to end here. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com for show notes, freebies, and a link to join my free Facebook community, The Everyday Style Lounge. And if the Everyday Style School podcast is helping you love getting dressed again, it would make my day if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with your friends so women everywhere can have more fun with style. Thanks, Style Sister. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.